Salutations! Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. This is the Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy, your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. And I'm thinking that a discussion on conflict and conflict resolution might be timely, considering we've got elections to the south and these challenges uh, that we face on a daily basis in terms of trying to figure out how to navigate the whole COVID-19 reality. My goal, though, is uh, not to specifically look at a particular conflict, but just to have a discussion in general about conflict resolution, conflict, what it is. I have a couple of quotes here. That I'm going to start off with. And uh, as I proceed, I think I'm going to break this discussion down into a, into a series with uh, different parts, kind of slow the conversation down. So let's just out of the gate start with a couple of quotes here. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. That's Ronald Reagan quote apparently from him. Uh, Here's something from William James. Whenever you're in conflict with someone, there's one factor that can make the difference between damaging your relationship and deepening it. The factor is attitude. That's really interesting. Right away, William James kind of brings our attention to this idea that when we're having conflict, it, it, it impacts, it affects our relationships. And in terms of what we're trying to tackle what we're dealing with, we have to be careful that we don't lose sight of the thing that is most fundamental to happiness, and that is uh, our relationship with ourselves and one uh, one another. The last quote here, and there's lots of them, but uh, these are the ones that kind of struck a chord with me. Conflict is due to difference of opinion. Oops, sorry, let's go to the beginning. 10% of conflict is due to difference in opinion. And 90% is due to delivery and tone of voice. Yeah, I think there's some uh, overlap with uh, William James there in terms of attitude, you know, in terms of the attitude that you bring to the table, in terms of communication styles, right? You know, are you going to the table uh, and taking a passive stance? Are you taking an aggressive stance? You know, that positional bargaining stuff where you slam your fist down on the table and say, this is my position and I won't move ground. Um, Are you taking a passive aggressive? Which really could undermine the the whole uh, discussion process, the whole dialogue that's unfolding. And uh, and then there's the the assertive. So communication is uh, fundamental to the conflict resolution process. For me, the thing I'd offer to the table is that conflict is inevitable. You can go to as many conflict resolution workshops as you want and learn a variety of different skills and collect a bunch of different tools, put them in your spiritual toolbox, and that will not exempt us from experiencing conflict in our lives. 
So it's, you know, conflict's not the problem. I, I, I guess the problem is how we handle it. So the first thing I'd kind of like to explore and invite you to participate in a couple of thought experiments, just so that we can have the uh, initial introductory brainstorming kind of thoughts about you know, what conflict is and what conflict resolution consists of. So I haven't defined conflict. I'm not going to at this point in terms of this uh, first part. I haven't uh, shared um, ideas and definitions about what conflict resolution would be. I think intuitively we all have a sense of what conflict is. I think we can, you know, go even a little bit deeper intuitively and say, you know, some of the conflicts that we experience are internal. We have some internal conflicts like, yeah, I, with the whole COVID-19 reality, I'm feeling tired and exhausted and I don't have energy to get up in the morning. It's an internal conflict. We have uh, interdependent, I mean, sorry, interpersonal conflict, right? The whole partisan approach in terms of American politics and uh, electing a president, the the way in which the debates proceed, it's it's definitely positional in nature and uh, not giving ground and attempting to more or less, I think, in, in a sense, silence the other position. So there's not a lot of listening um, that takes place in terms of the way the the debate's supposed to unfold. And uh, we also have conflict in, in our personal lives, our, our relationships, you know, with siblings, uh, with parents, uh, with uh, friends, with um, with coworkers, and then we also have uh, experiences that I, I guess could fit under the category of external conflicts, uh, circumstantial, situational problems. That uh, you know, this this I think is where we would be putting COVID nineteen. Um, uh, natural disasters, like tr trying to cope with and, and survive um, difficult realities that, uh, you know, people often describe as acts of God. So there's a, a different number of kind of conflicts we can, we can experience. And for me, I, I just, I'm, I'm just really interested in having a discussion about uh, some of the things that we should consider when we're thinking about what, you know, what is a conflict and how can we best resolve the conflict? So there are two thought experiments that I have, I offer. And, and this is just like the, the brainstorming process about some of the things that maybe we should be talking about when we're talking about conflict. Uh, in, in terms of a free association, right? You know, um, you know, is personality relevant in terms of the way we navigate conflict? Uh, are there generational differences that we should uh, be aware of? Do we need to take in consideration different need theories, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs? You know, do we need to make sure that we've had a good sleep and we've got a good diet before we can tackle a problem? Uh, you know, what, what importance should we be placing on communication, communication styles? Is there a place for this thing called patience? Do we need uh, to develop this ability to empathize? What does listening have to do with this? 
are these things that we should be considering when we're having a discussion about conflict resolution, tackling conflicts. So I think you can go online and you can find any number of different conflict resolution procedures. And they could you know, include anywhere from five steps to six steps to seven steps, eight steps and more. And I think really with all of these different kind of um, suggestions, these different models, at the end of the day, the important thing is to take something and to make it your own, right? So that it fits for you, right? So someone might come along and say, you know, in terms of my strategy for dealing with conflict, you know, I, I think the first thing, you know, a person needs to do is they need to calm down. Uh, they need to figure out, like, what is the problem? They got to think outside the box, you know, generate different solutions. They got to pick a solution and then they got to take action and then evaluate. And, you know, if it works, then, you know, go with it or refine it. And if it doesn't work, you know, you're back to the drawing board. Some might come along and say, you know, that's what works for me. And another person say, I think you're missing some steps. I think there's some important things that haven't been considered. And we, we might get back to this idea of like, you know, um, where is listening in that equation? Where is empathy um, in that equation? And, of course, I think people would generally say, yeah, no, we, we, we have to flesh them out. So before we proceed, I would like to launch this discussion on conflict and conflict resolution with two thought experiments that I think are helpful. They've been helpful for me. And uh, then that will conclude our kind of um, our introductory kind of uh, thoughts about things that we should be considering, we should have on the table. So the first one would be, uh, in terms of this thought experiment, imagine that you have been recruited for a think tank, a think tank. You know, they, you're an expert in some field. They require your expertise. And they've assembled you in addition to a, a number of other great minds. Another number of souls that have specific skills and abilities in a certain area to tackle a certain problem. They haven't presented the conflict yet. Um, you've just been assembled and you know that there's a conflict and that you have some expertise. And that together you are going to try to figure out how to tackle this political or social problem that is a current challenge in you know the contemporary world that we find ourselves in and you know the, circumstantially that would include the idea of uh, the COVID-19 reality so there you are you've been assembled with some of these other minds and they've come from all over Canada someone from Sarnia someone up from you know White House uh, White Horse someone from the Northwest Territories uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, British Columbia, Saskatchewan. We've, we've assembled these minds from the different regions of our great nation. And, you know, they're, they're asking you, um, as you know, of course, you as a, as a group will have to go through the forming, storming, norming, performing stages of uh, developing cohesion so that you can become a high-performance team, right? That, that's a part of the process. Can't forget that. And they ask you, like, what are some things you're going to need in order to tackle 
the problem, the conflict that's going to be presented. And so someone says, well, you know, definitely I'm going to need a comfortable bed uh, because, you know, if I'm not well rested, my mind is not at its uh, clearest and uh, it's not firing on all cylinders like it it would uh, if it had a good sleep versus not having a good sleep. Um, Yeah, I need some nutritious food, right? I, I need... Um, some fruits and some vegetables and some stuff to nourish me, some gas in the gas tank. So right now we're seeing like, you know, in in terms of the conflict resolution process, we definitely can't lose sight of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There are different basic physiological needs uh, that need to be in place and we can go up the the need levels and and identify that, you know, uh, people have to feel safe in terms of wherever it is that they are. Um, someone suggests, you know, like, I, I'm going to need some downtime. Like, uh, after doing some major cerebral crunching, I, I'm going to need a chance to laugh a little, relax a little, um, take my mind off uh, the problem, because sometimes stepping back, stepping away is really important uh, for the conflict resolution process. You know, sometimes you have to sleep on it. You have to let your... You're unconscious. Do some work um, while you're thinking of some other things. And things kind of pop into your uh, awareness. And you're like, yeah, I've got an idea. Attitude's important, right? Like an openness to different perspectives. There has to be this taking turns of listening to uh, one person share their conceptualization of the problem, their idea of certain solutions, uh, the next steps in terms of moving forward. And then it's your turn. It's kind of like playing catch. You know, I'll listen to you and you sh- you put some things on the table and now I'm going to put some things on, on the table. I think it would require, um, in terms of attitude, in terms of what uh, William James is talking about, patience, a recognition that there's going to be some ruffles, there's going to be some differences, there's going to be bumming up against each other metaphorically and uh, that uh, with with some patience uh, with some creativity uh, with respect with an openness uh, to considering another person's angle or position that these are some of the things that we would require in our think tank so that we can tackle the problem so what, what are your thoughts what do you think if you were one of those people and you were recruited to be in this uh, assembled think tank and you were assembled and you were occupying a very specific space, some place, let's just say, uh, in Toronto. Um, well, maybe not Toronto uh, right now. Maybe uh, somewhere in uh, Lindsay, Ontario. Why not? What a beautiful place. Beautiful trails. Opportunity for walks, fresh air, nature, things that will calm the mind. Would you need exercise equipment in there? What would be the things that you need so that you could be in prime, your prime state so that you could tackle these problems? I think if we're going to have a, a, a discussion about conflict resolution, this little activity is quite helpful. And I think we might recognize some things that when we, we imagine this uh, thought experiment and the things that would have to ta- take place, the things that we would require to tackle a, you know, a, a larger political, socioeconomic issue, 
that um, we can't lose sight of the importance of even the, the most basic physiological needs. But when we're dealing with conflict in our own um, immediate lives, in, in our immediate worlds, in our homes, with the people that we love and the people that are you know essential to our daily comings and goings and our dreams and our aspirations you know are are there sometimes those moments when we have conflict and we forget some of those things that we would be very um clearly identifying are important and essential for us to resolve the bigger conflicts you know do we try to tackle something when we haven't had enough sleep what about, you know, are, are we eating a nutritious meal and then getting ready to tackle a problem? Or did we not eat? Are we, are we getting hangry? We're hungry and we're angry. We're angry because we haven't eaten. What would you include in that thought experiment for the think tank? And as you think about that, are you conscious of bringing that awareness of that whatever it is that you're thinking you need into your daily life as you tackle problems and sometimes i think i lose sight of the importance of sleep when there's a big problem sometimes i actually can't sleep because of the problem and i'm not getting a good sleep so i'm not fully equipped i'm not at my best to tackle the problem so what would you offer so that's thought experiment number one Thought experiment number two, it's kind of recognizing the terrain of the things that we might need to not lose sight of when tackling a conflict. We could think of, um, let's imagine uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden not competing. Like, so sometimes in conflict, what do we do? We compete. We compete for resources, right? When there are the different options that are available, right? We can collaborate, possibly. And so, switching from you know a competitive uh, style of tackling conflict in that uh, partisan political realm, uh, you know, of uh, you know deciding who's going to be the president of the United States. Imagine in this thought experiment that um, the leaders of both parties are co-ruling. It's just a thought experiment. And uh, there, there's a number of different problems, the COVID problem, um, the, the, the concerns that someone might have about environment, the concerns that someone might have about um, immigration, uh, foreign policy, um, education, health, right, roads, borders. Now imagine that instead of a, a partisan positional approach, you know, this is my approach, this is my position, and I will not give ground, and to give ground is to lose because the framework is a win-lose scenario. Imagine if it was a more of a unison um, arena in which we were stepping into. And the goal was not to beat the other person out so that you can then tackle the problems. But the goal would be uh, figuring out how to work together. What are some insights that we might glean in, in terms of what we need to keep in 
our mind's eye when tackling problems? Does that change things? Right? And, and I think that one of the first things that has to happen, and this is where I'd like to leave my initial thought about the conflict resolution uh, process, one way to manage conflict, the inevitability of conflict, would be that uh, we have to recognize that when there is a problem, when there is a conflict, all that are involved have emotional responses to the situation. Someone could be angry, someone could be hurt, someone could be feeling overlooked. Right? And I think that to proceed, we need to recognize that. Like we have to embrace some emotional intelligence and recognize that we have uh, emotional investments in uh, the experience of the problem, how it impacts us, and um, investment, uh, an, an invested concern about outcomes because we would like to figure out how to navigate that problem, tackle it, so that we could transform the problem or transcend the problem. And so you have two people, and, and one of the first things I think that would have to happen would be kind of, you know, doing some self-regulation and uh, identifying, you know, what, what we're feeling, the whole I, I feel I need, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, in terms of this problem, uh, as, in terms of the way I'm perceiving it right now, knowing that I don't even know if we're perceiving it in the same way, this is this is my uh, experience, this is how I feel, and these are the things that I need. When we, ex uh, we start talking about needs um, in terms of addressing problems, then we might be able to figure out ways that we can collectively meet all the needs that are presented at the table or address all the interests that are brought to the table as opposed to a positional-based um, approach to the problem. A interest-based approach to the problem looks very much different. And so we might imagine that instead of like the ad hominem attacks, the different uh, straw men tactics, uh, that someone might be saying, you know, so we, it seems like we both have a, a agreement that there's a problem here. Um, this is how the, it, I'm experiencing the problem. This is how it makes me feel. And... Uh, before we look at solutions, um, what, what's your experience? So I think like one of the first things we'd have to do is, is recognize and take ownership for our feelings, try to recognize our, our needs, a, and, and give voice to them in, in an assertive, not aggressive style. And then be willing to listen to the other person. So I, I would think that uh, one of the first steps in, in conflict resolution would be recognizing what's going on internally for us, like the internal conflict that we're experiencing, even if it's in relationship to an interpersonal conflict or an external conflict, giving voice to that, and then being open and willing to hear the other person's experience. And so there's a listening that has to take place. And I think that once we start listening, we might discover that 
whatever we perceive as the problem may in fact not be uh, completely and entirely the totality of the problem. That problem identification might be a little skewed. And so I would think that this would be one of the first steps that we would take in terms of addressing a conflict or conflict resolution. And I know I have not, at this point, defined what a conflict is or offered a definition of conflict resolution. I'm saying that uh, there are a couple of thought experiments might, that might open up to um, our mind's eyes uh, some things that we should not lose sight of. And that uh, for me, when I participate in these kind of thought experiments, I'm recognizing that uh, empathy, being able to step into the shoes of someone else, um, listening, uh, and uh, a patience to take some time to accurately define what the problem is, as opposed to trying to strong-arm my position in terms of problem definition, problem identification, because I might be missing something. So what do you think when you participate in these two little thought experiments? What are some things that you believe should not be overlooked in terms of the conflict resolution process? Peace, be well, take care, and share.